I have to wear my disco socks for sure. Like I have um I have like black disco socks, like they have little sparkles on it and they're my go to like if I have a good race it's because I wear my disco socks. That's for sure. <laughs> But I try to not like be so super superstitious because I get so obsessed with that. And if I don't do something right, I think I'm gonna fail. So I try to work on that. Um, I have a very weird brain, so I have to <laughs> be careful with superstition. <laughs> Welcome to the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. I'm Matthew Piaro, and joining me once again is Matt Hansen. How's it going, Matt? Good. I noticed you changed your intro there slightly. You, you you sounded different. Your intonation, just a little bit. You're okay. You're making me a little nervous because no one listens to my intro as closely as you do, or as often. Right, yeah, because you're you're always checking back on every episode to to hear how you sounded. Yeah, pretty much, I play it all the time. Right, and to see what parts I cut out. Yeah, which are many, surprisingly. Only the best for our listeners. Only the best for our listeners. Like our guest, our guest this week is Lori Arsenault. She is the national champion in the mountain bike short track race. Um, she's had. Some pretty good races at the World Cup level. Uh, I spoke with her shortly after Mont Saint Anne. Um, maybe she wished it could have gone a bit better, but um, you know that's her that's her big local race, if you will. Yeah, and I mean it's a big local race for a lot of our Canadians. It must be pretty pretty rad to be racing on home turf in front of everybody. Yep, it's a big event, and I will get into that with Laurie Arsenault as well as. A superstition of hers and fishing. But before uh, that conversation with Laurie Arsenault, Matt, how have um how have your uh, races been? Well, I know you did say that I would be fired if I didn't win a midweek. So okay, I've I've never said that, but okay, I'm pretty sure you did. I heard that at least. Uh, I will say that there's one left, so the way things are going, I should probably pack up my things. Um, I have one last shot to keep working here. Um, it's, it's, I haven't won one yet. I, I did try and go for a sprint a week ago. I said, okay, Hanson, this is it. Usually with one lap to go, I sit up because it's just too, too chaotic for me. And uh, I, I did say, okay, this is it. I slotted in 10th position. One lap to go, <laughs> big crash. So that that was the last time I'm going for a sprint. Uh, and you you managed to avoid that whole whole crashy crash. It's possible. I tried to bunny hop a wheel, and the bunny hop wasn't perfect. I'm sorry, whoever the wheel that was, but uh, I was fine. So that's that's what's important. That's what was important. Maybe there's often a a, a trend, you know, with um, pro riders when they're in a contract year. In, suddenly their performances that that pressure really like pulls the best out of them so there's still hope for you with one more race to go i didn't go last night uh because i had some family obligations but of course that's the one night that our friend andrew randall my former teammate and roommate went so i'm actually happy that he wasn't there to see me just be awful so uh, i'm hoping he doesn't go next week and andrew if you're listening 
please don't go next week because you'll probably just make me nervous when I'm sitting at the back. I saw that he was marshalling. That's, um, you know, that's he's really supporting the community there, getting the, the orange vest on. Yeah, he looked nice and high viz. It's, it suited him. Yeah, it does, you know, not everyone can pull that off, but he did a good job. Um, on the topic of uh, Mont Saint Anne, which is still at the top of my mind, not only because of my conversation with uh, Laurie Arsenault, but holy jumping, Finn Isles and his big win. That was something to watch. That was something to watch. He was pinning it, and even with a chain falling off, he still managed to take his first uh, World Cup win at Mont Saint Anne. It doesn't get you don't usually get such a nice package with a bow on top like that and it was pretty spectacular and i don't think it's gonna be his last either because he's just gonna get better and better and and terry mccall will probably say the same thing our our west coast mountain bike editor he'll probably chime in and say there's plenty more we're gonna see from this young man exactly actually speaking of terry um and shameless plug for the magazine there is an article in the current issue of the magazine about downhill in Canada. Are we in the midst of a golden age? Uh, Terry explores that idea really well, so uh, check it out. It almost seems a little prescient now based on um, Finn Isles's performance there at Mont St. Anne. Well, Terry is an expert. He really is. That's, that's, that's one of the many reasons we keep him on. Big ups, Terry. Way to go, Terry, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't think he listens to this as closely as you do. I just repeat, repeat. I just put it on my, my iPhone. I play it in the background like all the time. Mm, I wonder if that's helping with our downloads and our playthroughs. I mean, it's, it's from the same IP, so probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, one thing I need to say before we get into the, the conversation with Lori Arsenault is she was so lovely to talk to. Matt, she may even be funnier than you. Well, that's, that's not hard. That's not hard. <laughs> no, she was great. Uh, but what didn't get in the interview uh, beforehand, I made a joke about conducting it in French, which would be a nightmare for everybody listening. Uh, my French would be horrible. But she's she vowed that the next time we speak that uh, the interview will be in French, um, which... Oh, my God, have mercy on your soul. I mean, that would be horrible, not only because this is an English language podcast, but because my French is so terrible that it would just be, it'd be hard for uh, anyone to listen to in either language. Well, we both did talk about the times that we both interviewed two people in French and how difficult that was for us. Even though we're okay in French, it was the follow-up questions. I wrote, when I interviewed Pascal Ave, I wrote down all my questions and then he would answer and then I realized I had nothing. I, what do I say now? I just went to the next question, you know, ça suffit. Uh, so, yeah, well, good luck with that. I had the exact same experience. I, I interviewed uh, Giuseppe Marinoni uh, years ago after he did his, um, uh, one of his hour record attempts. And same thing. I had, I had my question scripted perfectly. I would listen to his answer. I understood it. And I had no natural follow-up. I was just like, aha, next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will mend the two solitudes eventually. We will bridge them. But, um, uh, sugar. I had something else to say there. Sugar. Did you say sugar? Are you my mom? I said sugar. I don't, I don't swear on air. You swear in the office like a sailor on shore leave. Well, so that's, that's editor mouth. That's okay. That's okay to, to swear in the, in the office. 
while working. But um, no, this is a podcast. I'm a professional. If this isn't, there's no CRTC guidelines here. We can say whatever we want. Also, I'm I'm at my home studio. My my daughter's in the other room, and I try not to swear much at home. But if she's like, "Dad, no more saying seal in French," then I say, "It's okay, honey. It, this is for work. I'm working. It's okay." Okay, that's a good workaround. Yeah, it totally is. One more thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the interview is a very funny story you wrote recently on our website. Uh, it, this actually goes back to your crit racing you quite provocatively if i remember the headline correctly your provocative headline was this is absolutely the worst person in the crit race who is this character yeah and, and maybe the world maybe the world i should have maybe been more should have been stronger in the world you know like they should just awful people yeah the person that that yells up 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 when you break away but doesn't actually chase they just sit there snitching on you the brake snitch it's the worst, the worst thing. I feel like I need to flag for everyone. This is comic exaggeration on Matt Hansen's part. This is a gag. No, no, I mean it. I really mean it. They're horrible people. Now we're deadpan. This story got uh, some definite laughs on the socials, and then it definitely got some people who did not get it. Uh, well, because it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be funny. I think they should go to The Hague. These kinds of people, they're awful, awful. Okay, you're doubling down on this. I think it signaled to everybody how you, this uh, humor piece uh, devolved, in, devolved, evolved into a Seinfeld bit that you wrote into it. Yeah, the brake snitch. He's a brake snitch. He snitches on the brake. Yes, yes, he is. That's what he does. He's a brake snitch. <laughs> I mean, there's probably all kinds of stuff like that. You know, like if Seinfeld raced bikes, you know, he could have all kinds of terms for, you know, he's a wheel chopper. George is getting choppy. There's all kinds of stuff probably. If only Seinfeld raced bikes. If, if he instead he traded all those cars in for bikes. Imagine his bike collection. Yeah, if he got rid of all those cars. Comedians on bikes getting Gatorade. <laughs> Jerry, if you're listening, we have an idea for you. Long-time listeners, first-time callers. Um, we, can, we can explore this if, if you're keen. All right, enough of our uh, aspirations, comedic or otherwise. Let's hear from Laurie Arsenault. Laurie Arsenault, we're talking shortly after the World Cup races at Mont Saint Anne. Tell me what the Mont Saint Anne venue means to you. For me, uh, this venue means family, uh, home. It means happiness on my bike, and it's just the perfect venue for me because it's. It's where I dream, I first dream about racing World Cup. It's the first event like in Canada, Quebec that I've been watching when I was young. So that's kind of where I, I saw like all the huge stars in mountain biking. And this is where I first dream of, of this sport. So it means a lot to me to race there all, all the time. Who are some of the racers you watched in those early years? Who who are the ones you cheered for or, or were excited to see uh, at Mont Saint Anne? I remember um, cheering for especially for Raf uh, Raphael Gagné, which is now one of my very good friends. And for sure, I like I cheered for Marilyn Premont, which was a she was like the best in the world, like <laughs> on the mountain bike at that time. So. That was very, very uh, impressive for me to see 
um, this woman goes so fast and she was very uh, happy. Like she was a happy athlete and she inspired me to be the athlete I am today because she was close to people and she was very um, like you could have like go talk to her and she would have be super happy. So yeah, that's kind of, I think I had good example when I started one thing biking for sure. And how was your cross country race this year at Mont Saint Anne? Yeah, this year it was a little bit more difficult. Like I always love this race and I usually do very, very good. Uh, this year it was a little bit more difficult. Like I had some mechanicals on my bike and I had a hard time to find my energy and find that fire inside of me. I think I had some bad thoughts in my head, like take my day and, um, but I'm just happy. I think like before my race, I made a deal with myself that I would have been just happy, whatever the result. And of course, that was like one of my biggest goals this year to perform well in front of my family and friends. But I was just so proud to do what I love the most in front of the people I love the most. So by the end of the day, it was such a good day, even if my race was um, not what I expected. I think it happens more than we think and yeah, more than we plan, actually. So I will come back stronger there. And I'm so excited that I can give a good, good race to my friends and my family. But I know they're, they're still super proud and happy. <laughs> And what about the short track? Did you feel any extra pressure in the the short track event now that you have the Canadian Champions jersey? I don't I think the pressure like mostly come from myself. Like I love racing with a Canadian jersey. Like that's always been my the extra watts for me. Like it's a, it gives me so much um fire inside my heart to race with that. So I don't think it's pressure. I think it's more like it gives me more energy. So, uh, yeah, I tried to, I tried to go as fast as I could and I did my best and I'm very happy with what I did, whatever the result, I think, um, I was just very proud to wear that jersey. That's a, a common theme you, you often hear also with Tour de France riders. Once they have the yellow jersey, uh, they're able to, you know, go deeper and go harder. And it, yeah, it does give you an extra boost. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't feel it's pressure. I just feel it's like extra, extra energy. <laughs> Before we talk more about racing this season, I want to go back to when you started mountain biking. Can you tell me how you got started in the sport? Yeah, I got started at maybe 11 or 12 or so. And I started mountain biking because I was cross-country skiing with a team near my hometown. And during the summer, we were doing mountain biking just to keep the shape and keep uh, like doing sport. And I started doing some races in my hometown. And this is where I fell in love with biking. Like, and a little like... like I started talking about biking all the time when I was cross-country skiing and I knew it was kind of more my place than cross-country skiing, so I switched. Now, did you also do uh, bike packing when you were young? Yeah, I did. So I was homeschooled for most of my life, like most of my childhood life. <laughs> and 
my mom, my be- my mom best friends and their other friends, we were uh, bike biking a lot during summer and during uh, fall too. Like we were doing all kind of super uh, outdoor activities. So it was very, very bold of my mom to just take uh, me and my brothers on bikes and go through Quebec. I think we did all the bike path in Quebec <laughs> with bike biking. So that was uh, this is where I first uh, learned to ride a bike um, by by doing those little adventure with my mom and all my other friends. <laughs> That's wild. Was this like uh, like Route Verte and and those kind of uh, bike paths? Yeah, Route Verte, uh, La Petite Piste du Train du Nord. Like, there's there's a lot more. Uh, I'm, I think I forgot, like, all their names. But, yeah, I remember it was very, very, very cool, actually, because um, I, still, I still ride today like I used to ride back then. Like, I remember I was starting super fast, super, super fast on those little bike adventures. And after, like, 30 minutes, I was so tired <laughs> then and i and this is still my jet like this is still how i <laughs> i am on the bike right now i have to start fast and i have to work my way <laughs> up a little bit after an hour <laughs> wow that's amazing ever since you started since since early days it's your style um now did you did you guys camp along the way or did you stay um yeah we were camping like we were having like bags around our bikes so i was bringing bags uh i was yeah i had like weight on my bikes with clothes uh um, camping gears and all of that that kind of stuff so yeah we were camping actually so that's so cool like when i look back at it it was very very uh, amazing now tell me about the role of uh, an aunt of yours and the role she played in your early mountain biking career. Yeah, like I said, this is my mother's best friend. I call her uh, Tante Sylvie. Uh, she she is the one who who kind of introduced me to mountain biking with her sons, and I was always going with her to the trainings. And she's the one who, yeah, kind of like just bring me everywhere like to all the races in the beginning and she's the one I I was looking up to a lot like she she was very very there for me uh, during that like when I start mountain biking with her and my mom were they were going everywhere to yeah make us go to the race and the training mm-hmm. now though I understand mountain biking at the beginning was kind of frustrating for you you maybe didn't totally enjoy it yeah uh so i was in a group of like a little um training group and they were all boys and they were older they were super fast and even the girl there she was faster than me and she was older so i was the one who had to learn and had to follow and had to catch up to them so it was so frustrating because I was crashing everywhere and like they put clips on my feet and I didn't know how to use that and they didn't wait for me they were like um they were very like very little boys like fast boys but like yeah so that was not my name was not love at first sight for sure (laughs) 
in a YouTube video, your 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 aunt says you were, um, I think she uses the word stubborn, maybe determined is another nicer way of saying it. But um, uh, your, I guess it was your determination that, that kept you uh, going with mountain biking. Yeah, for sure. I think everything that I do in life or anything that I love, I have, I'm extremely stubborn. Like I don't really give up easily and I really felt like when I I did mountain bike for the first time, I knew it, it was something special and I was so young. So I think it's just your intuition, like telling you something. And yeah, I had to be better. I was like so stubborn and it pissed me off that I was not able to follow the others and they were not waiting for me. And uh, I want to be better. Like everything that I did or I do, like, I'm very competitive and that was for me something I had to improve at a young age and eventually I really fell in love with it and I found pleasure in it because it's important to love what you do and yeah I'm very happy I I had that stubbornness in my heart still today. (laughs) It's not always easy but um, yeah I have it. (laughs) You are on the Canyon mountain bike racing team. It's your second year. And tell me how you came to be on that team. I think it was kind of a miracle for me to be on that team because I was in a point of my in my career where I didn't know uh what I was gonna do the next the year after. And I had like super good result in twenty eighteen as a U twenty three. I was gonna switch elite the year after. So I was kind of in a little uh unknown and i've heard like somewhere that adam morka who's um, emily's husband uh i heard that he was like starting a a uci team and uh it was gonna be a pro team so it was all the rumors everywhere and it kind of like it didn't get really much my attention at first because i was like uh well that's cool for them <laughs> like i don't know uh <laughs> Like it's a it's a cool program. I'm happy they're gonna like have Canadians in on that team. Like it should be it must be fun to <laughs> to have that program and everything. And eventually, like I got a an Instagram message from Emily Batty, which was such a high for me. Like I looked up to that to that athlete all my life. So uh, I knew she was uh, kind of recruiting. So. Yeah, she kind of wrote to me and we chatted it and uh, eventually we got uh, on a Zoom call and just we connect so much together and like we had a we had good conversations and we had the same kind of goals for the next year. So it was a it was a perfect fit in the beginning. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into the team. Like it was not planned on my end and I didn't uh I didn't chase it so that was that was kind of my little miracle in my career it kick up kick up my my career so that's why I call it my little miracle <laughs> your team grew this year you're now up to three what has Jen Jackson brought to the team uh that's been so cool to have Jen this year I think 
she's a very very amazing addition to the team we both the three of us are so different and we all bring something different to the table which makes it uh, interesting and very inspiring jen is very um she's like the perfect athlete like she's uh she's she is dialed she is um she is she know how to do things well so that's what i have learned the most like i'm a little bit of a type b so um, my head is everywhere and <laughs> um uh so i really learned from her type a kind of athlete and she's a good friend too so uh we connect a lot together and that's been fun to have someone that you know she's like what you see is what you get so it's very very fun to to have her in the team for sure in july the national cross-country championships were a big success for you and your team before nationals did you have a specific goal were you targeting the short track Yes, uh, yes, I was actually like, I was targeting both short track and cross country. So I was really looking forward for nationals. That was a big goal of my season. And that was such a high for the team. It was just a perfect weekend for us. And it really, it really pays off. Like, you know, it's a new team. And the first year is always like we insult the team last year so we didn't know like what to expect really but you just this year it was just so so cool to see things involved in a good way and that was the national championship were just um kind of a reward after so much work with the team so it was very very cool in the short track competition batty was second and jen jackson was third you worked together as a team throughout the race, but was there a point where it was every rider for herself or were you working together right to the end for you? How did, how did the team dynamics work? Um, we didn't like plan anything before. Um, the only thing we, we told, like it was if some of us like go for it, like um, try to save her, like try to help her or anything. But it was a perfect race for us. Like we naturally, naturally worked together, and at the end, I think it, it finished on a sprint. So, yeah, that's how that's our definition of uh, having fun on a Friday night. <laughs> so, that was a, a nice team bounding activity. <laughs> Following the short track was the XCO race at nationals. Emily Batty won that. You were second. Jen Jackson was third. It was a great result. Is there anything you guys would have done differently, though? Um, I think the cross-country one is more of um, you go for yourself. Uh, yeah, we're teammates, but cross-country is always like uh, you cannot really work with anyone. So you try to get the win by yourself. <laughs> uh, on my end, I think I was going for the win for sure, but I'm super happy with my second place. I think I start a little bit too fast, but um, I'm still happy I did that because I prefer to try to to go fast than just like be scared and not go for it. So that's my kind of writing. That's my kind of style. And I will work on keeping the pace in the third and fourth lap. <laughs> 
yeah, I had a good race and my teammate was faster and she had a very, very good race too, which was amazing for for her. And Jen also had such a good comeback with her injury this earlier this summer. So that was, everyone had their little victories there, which is awesome. Between short track and XCO, do you have a preference? Do you like one event style better than the other? Um, I like both. I don't discriminate. Both of them have their their kind of adrenaline. I really like short track because I'm a very um, explosive rider. Like I'm, I'm very fast on short distance. But I also love cross country so much because it's a, it's another mental game. It's more it's more um, strategies. And short track is more like you don't think, you just go fast and you try not to to explode. <laughs> Also on the idea of favorites, I know um, Mont Saint-Anne is, a, is an important uh, World Cup course for you, but is there another World Cup course that either suits you or you like, or there's something that you really like about it? I really enjoy Lenzehyde in Switzerland. I think it's a course that suits me very well. I really love small kick, my small climb, punchy climb. That's that's kind of my kind of writing and my my style of of writer. So yeah, Lindsay Hyde suits me very well, and I love the venue there. I love um, I love Switzerland so much. So it's yeah, it's a place I enjoy very much, and I love all the World Cups, but Switzerland is have a special special place in my heart for sure. Laurie Arsenault, you've had a very busy summer, especially with World Cups in Snowshoe, West Virginia at the end of July, and then Mont St. Anne the following weekend. Between those two events was the mountain bike competitions at the Commonwealth Games. You weren't there, but no Canadian mountain bikers were at the Commonwealth Games this year. Canada has always had mountain bikers at the Commonwealth Games since the discipline was introduced, but this year, Canada only sent riders to road and track events. What do you think about Canada's absence from the Commonwealth Games mountain bike competitions? Yeah, this is um, this is kind of sad because, like, like for sure it's a little bit sad. But I didn't even know that the Commonwealth was happening this year, so uh, it kind of caught me off guard. And um, but. On the other hand, for me and my team, it's kind of always better to race the World Cup because it was happening at the same time as the World Cups. We're a new team on the circuit and um, like we're the three fastest girls in Canada right now. So that was, I think that's always nice to race the World Cups. But as a nation, I think uh, that would have been nice to represent Canada for sure. Like. Even for myself, I would have loved that opportunity to prepare for the Olympics or, yeah. So I think, I think uh, that's not me who choose that, but <laughs> it would have been so fun for sure. No, it's interesting that there's that, I guess, tension, like you said, between the importance of the World Cups, especially for a team like yours, but yeah, you missed out on that opportunity, as you said, of, of participating in a major games, which 
who knows, maybe maybe one day you're going to the Olympics and something like Commonwealth is, is an excellent uh, preparation for that. Yeah, I think so too. Like, um, honestly, like, like I said, I didn't even know it was this year. So my calendar was really focused on World Cups and the team is also very focused on World Cups and it's always been the case. So... I hope one day I think racing is racing. So I, if one day I go to the Olympics, I, I think I'll be a prepare, even if I didn't do the Commonwealth. Or, but yeah, I think uh, we should uh, we we should have known it <laughs> for sure. Do you have any rituals or superstitions before getting ready for a race? For example, do you do you always put on your right sock first or anything like that? Uh, I have like, I have to wear my disco socks for sure. Like I have, um, I have like black disco socks, like they have little sparkles on it and they're my go-to. Like if I have a good race, it's because I wear my disco socks. That's for sure. <laughs> but I try to not like be so super superstitious cause I get so obsessed with that. And if I don't do something right. I think I'm going to fail. So I try to work on that. I'm, I have a very weird brain, so I have to <laughs> be careful with superstition. <laughs> right. Uh, do you have backup disco socks? I don't, and they have a hole in it, and they're discontinued right now. So I'm very sad. <laughs> oh, no, we need a replacement. Yeah, we do. That's why I, I said to you, um, I have to know that it's not in the disco socks. and. <laughs> But yeah, I will find other uh, good socks for sure. Nice, nice. <laughs> Attention sock makers, we need sparkle socks. I know, more sparkles. Like if I have someone once told me that you always you always need to put a little bit of magic on you before a race because this is how magic works. You have to bring it to yourself. <laughs> right. Have you done any fishing lately? Yeah, actually, last month. That's so that's so nice that you asked that question because it was the I've always fished with my father, and this summer for my my dad's 60 birthday, me and my fr my my brothers, I have two elder brothers. We rent um, a lake and we spend a whole day with my dad on two little boats just fishing in the lake and yeah we caught so much fish and we had such an amazing day so that's still um, the activity i do when i'm back home and what do you what do you like about it like there's the 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 bonding with your your family but is there anything else that you like about the 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 sport or the the pastime of fishing well Sometimes it's it pisses me off because I I don't have a lot of patience and it takes a lot of patience to just wait for the fish. So I like the fact that it works on my patience and I just love the fact that I disconnect completely from the internet or anything else. Like all, the only matter with fishing like is getting a fish. So I'm only focusing on getting a fish. <laughs> Which is very, like, it's peace for my brain because I have a very, very active brain, <laughs> which makes it fun for me to just calm down and go fishing. Right. It, it's almost like meditation. It is. Yeah, exactly. 
I wonder if, if, um, before races, athletes could just go cast a fishing rod for a while to just calm down before a race. I think we should. Yeah. You know why I love Lindsay Hyde? Cause there's a big lake in the middle of the venue and I always see people fish by, by the lake. And I always wonder like if I can join one day and that's kind of my goal for the next year to just find a fishing stick and go fish in Lindsay Hyde <laughs> before the World Cup. Oh my gosh. That would be great. You know, you could fish on a, on a, well, you're on a trainer and then that'd be, ever, you could totally prepare for a race. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Last year, you raced BC Bike Race for the first time and you won it. What did racing for six straight days uh, show you? Oh, I actually love that race, that stage race so much. I it's still one of my favorite event of the like that was the my favorite event of last year. It was so cool, and I actually enjoy stage race. The more I race, the more I feel like myself. If I can go like fast every day in my training, I would love that. So racing a stage race is just like perfect for me, and I just love the atmosphere. That was insane to see like people get around together and just enjoy biking and racing so that was extremely a high 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 vibe event for me last year do you think you will have time to do it this year i would love to but it's not planned on my calendar for now um the team is not going so i would have to organize it uh, by myself which i would love to but I still, uh, I'm still trying to figure out if um, I will have the energy for that after the season. So it was a long season this year, and I might want to enjoy a little bit of home time. <laughs> but uh, do you still have some more races that you're targeting this year? Yeah, I still have uh, my main goal just in front of of me. It's um, the World Championship in France, in Leger, France. And it's in two weeks, so so it's one of my biggest goals of the year. And one week after, we go in Italy for the last World Cup of the year. And after that, we're done with um, the big, big race. And in the off-season, do, uh, do you still cross-country ski in the winter? Absolutely. Like I really enjoy to spend as much time as I can in my home. I enjoy fat biking and cross-country skiing so much during the winter. I think um, I've been born in Quebec, so it's in my blood to suffer during the winter a little bit and get the cold, cold air in my blood before going for a training camp or anything. But that's really part of me to, uh, to cross-country skiing, even if I complain a lot during when I'm doing it. <laughs> so as you mentioned, you, uh, you still have some big... Uh, goal races this year but it's it's already been a pretty big season for you what are you most proud of from uh, this year or this season of racing it was yeah it was such a long season like it doesn't feel real that we start with brazil uh with the world cup in brazil and now we are um in august <laughs> so i'm very proud because i started the year with a bad bad mental a little bit like with uh, I didn't think I was good enough to to race 
at that level and I was kind of a little bit discouraged because my goals were not meeting my expectations and I really work on just finding finding that fire because I didn't have any fire inside of me in the beginning of season I was scared of racing I didn't enjoyed it as much as I should and I just I really work hard on like with my psychologist to just be myself on the bike and not put so much pressure to to perform or to be to be someone I'm not or so that switch in my mind it's the thing I'm most proud of because I found my happiness on my bike in the middle of the season and I yeah I'm just I'm working as hard as I can and I think it will come like the result I want will come when they they will come and and meanwhile I will just enjoy bike like riding my bike and be around people I love so that's what I'm most proud of <laughs> That I find that really striking because I, you know, from from my end of, of of the desk, you know, we we watch races and we watch results and we watch performances, and those are the the first things that sort of yeah, like catch our attention here. But um, that uh, your answer shows that you know the the kind of the work that an athlete needs to do and the the space she needs to be in, and and it just really highlights like. All that that work, not just physical but mental, that you, that you have to do to to be in the in the space to 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 do well in races. I think I'm someone who have extremely high expectation in life, and uh, it doesn't really help me that I I do sport because when you do sport, you want to win everything. So it's been a really really good work in progress for me to just have joy because I really believe for me having joy and having fire in my heart is what makes me ride my bike and sometimes I forgot about those two things and I just focus on things that are out of my control and I focus on result too much and it takes all the joy out of me and all the the fun too so and I think it should be like that for anyone I think everyone should find their joy in their sport or in whatever they do. It's not always perfect, but it shouldn't be uh, so much pressure from yourself. Well, Laurie, thank you for your time. This was a super fun conversation. Um, everything from magic socks to uh, some of the challenges you face while racing. I really appreciate your time and yeah, good luck with the, uh, with the races ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking that time with me. That's super appreciated. And that's the episode. It's written and edited by me, Matthew Piaro. I had help from that guy over there, Matt Hansen. Thank you, Matt. A lot of help. A lot of help. Yeah, all that heavy lifting you do. Pretty much. Actually, the person who did more heavy lifting is Terry McCall, our mountain bike editor. Thank you, Terry, for all your help. Thanks to Adam Killick, who produced this episode, and he also did all the music. Finally, thanks to Ontario Creates for its support. 
And Matt, I guess good luck at your your final race. I I hope it it comes together for you at the the office park crit. What's the ruling these days on e-bikes in races? Is that frowned upon or is that allowed? How does that how does that work? Mm, yeah, I think you need to look up the section on technological fraud. I'm pretty sure at the midweeks they don't have those little tablets. I shouldn't probably be talking about this online, should I? I should probably we can edit this, right? But I'm pretty sure that Michael Longfield doesn't have one of those little. T- those things look expensive. I, I just don't think they'll do a bike check. But they will notice if you show up with like a Shimano Steps motor in the bottom bracket. Fair, fair. Okay, so we'll have to work around that. Yeah, those things are not. Those things are not hidden. Duct tape. Maybe I'll. I'll do something. I'll find a way. We'll cut this though. We'll cut this. All right. When I win the midweek by ten minutes next week, we don't want to, you know, give that away. All right. Well, all the best of luck to you, Matt Hansen. And to listeners, thank you for listening. Please rate and review the show. Ride safely, and we'll talk to you later.